Hi, my name is Jeff Redding. I'm a preaching elder here at Walton Community Church in Monroe, Georgia. Before we begin the sermon, our church would like to invite you to join us as we gather every Sunday morning for worship at 10 a.m. You can learn more about our church on our website at waltoncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening. It's good to be back. I want to say it's good to be home, so I'm going to just say it. it's good to be home. Last week, I was at a Christian Tucker Church uh, preaching for a friend of mine um, while he was on a miniature vacation with his wife. Um, but last week was a really exciting one with VBS and then um, with the uh, Supreme Court decision and Jeff's message. I was like, oh, I'm going to miss this live. I was giddy and excited for what was going on here. Um, but last week was still sweet. I got to bribe Eden Geneva with some McDonald's Coke. So if we get a, a Coke, um, then we're willing to sit in and listen to dad preach a sermon. So she was the only one willing for that exchange, and it was sweet. But know that uh, I was thinking of you all, and it's good just to be back home. Well, you know I'm up here, so we're going to be in the book of Leviticus. If you'll go ahead and open up to Leviticus chapter 5. And we're going to be doing all of chapter 5, and then we're going to be in chapter 6, 1 through 7. And this is going to be um, done a little bit differently, just so I don't overwhelm you, so we don't get dizzy. This book is in the center of the Torah, in the center of the law, and the legal language has been really complicated. In my preaching, it's been extremely uh, difficult for me to know how to break this up between Chapter 4 and chapter 6, I'm finding some frustrations that the English translators did. Uh, We have seen previously in chapter 1 the burnt offering, chapter 2 the grain offering, chapter 3 the peace offering. Then we get to chapter 4 and 5, and it's a sin offering. And then in chapter 5 and 6, we have... uh, the offering of reparations or the debt offering. So not only do I not have a legal mind like Jeff, uh, the translators don't follow in what I believe are the different offerings. So I was driving to church this morning and Amber asked, so what are you going to be preaching on? And I just, I spazzed out. It's like, I, 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 I need like a, an outline to show you. Well, I have my outline here. I didn't have it while I was driving. So I think that I'll be able to make some sense out of this. But during preparations, I was thinking, we got this backwards. Jeff, you should be doing Leviticus, and I should be doing Hebrews uh, with with the background you have. But that's not how it's happened. I also want to rewind a little bit. Last time I was up here, I was exhausted in a good, I won't say in a good way. I was just simply exhausted. Um, Zion bumped his head requiring for us to glue a gash. It could have been stitched or glued. And when I was describing that to you, I said something like, I don't remember what it was, but it could have been interpreted, in my anger, in my sin, I knocked his head across the bed. That's not what happened at all. That's not happened, at, okay? In my sin, I don't, I don't cause stitches to be <laughs> required, okay? Um, but what I was trying to do is describe how sin can be interpreted or viewed, how the Bible describes it. So before we even go into chapter 5, I want to paint a picture of sin. It can be seen as a stain, pollution, defilement, missing a mark, 
crossing a boundary, falling short of perfection, a debt needing payment, robbery, abuse of trust, like lying or shielding the truth, neglect of responsibilities, oppression, rebellion against God. It can be boiled down to what we have done, what we haven't done, what we didn't know we have or haven't done. Sin can come with it a lot of different definitions, a lot of different ways in which we engage in this. It's what we do, what we haven't done, and what we didn't know we have done. And Leviticus helps the people of God interact with a holy God that cannot be before people that are sinful. You cannot come into his courts or come into his presence with sin. And the book of Leviticus helps us know how to make ourselves right, how we are to clean ourselves, how we are to walk in truth and not hide it, how we are to be gentle and not oppressive, not rebellious, but submissive to God. And in life, it can be complicated. So we're going to be continuing in chapter 5 on laws of purification. And I'm going to give you just a quick outline of chapter 4 and 5 very briefly, not in great detail. In the beginning of chapter 4, we're introduced to this purification offering And we're given instructions in 4, 3 through 12, how a high priest is to deal with their own sin before God. In verses 13 through 21 of chapter 4, corporate Israel is instructed what they are to do if they commit a sin before Yahweh. And a way corporate Israel could do this is the priest or the high priest has given them false instruction of, or fallen slack, and therefore all the people are needing to be cleansed. Next, we had in verse 22 through 35 of chapter 4 how leaders in the community could be made right and reconciled to God. What we find in chapter 5, 1 through 13, that we'll be looking at today. It's the purification offerings for individual citizens. So I'm going to read 1 through 13. Now, if a person sins after he hears a public adjuration to testify when he is a witness, whether he has seen or otherwise known, if he does not tell it, then he will bear his guilt. Or if a person includes an uh, unclean thing, whereas a carcass or an unclean beast, or a carcass of unclean cattle, Or a carcass of unclean swarming things, though it is hidden from him and he is unclean, then he will be guilty. Or if he touches human uncleanliness of whatever sort, his uncleanliness may be with which he becomes unclean, and it is hidden from him, and then he comes to know it, he will be guilty." Or if a person swears thoughtlessly with his lips to do evil or to do good, in whatever matter a man may speak thoughtlessly with an oath, and it is hidden from him, and then he comes to know it, he will be guilty in one of these. So it shall be, when he becomes guilty in one of these, that he shall confess that in which he has sinned. He shall also bring his guilt offering to the Lord for his sin, which he has committed." a female from the flock, a lamb, or a goat as a sin offering to the priest. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf for his sin. But if he cannot afford a lamb, 
Then he shall bring to the Lord his guilt offering for that which he has sinned. Two turtle doves or two pigeons, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. He continues forward in verse 11, talking also about um, an ephod, a fine flower. We, we, we see that there is going to be goats that are acceptable for this offense, pigeons, as well as flowers. Instead of reading, this is somewhat redundant, all the way through to, to 13. I'm going to just stop there and mention the different offerings that are mentioned that can be made. We have uh, several different things that can be done. What we find first is there is a purification of unintentional sin, one through four. So in those first few verses, you have some items in the home that belong at the temple for the priests, or there are some utensils maybe at the temple of which you should not handle. Or maybe you come across something that is unclean like a carcass and you've touched it and now you have been contaminated. You didn't intend for it to happen. Maybe you were just thoughtless in it or it was an accident. You just didn't know any better. You have children that run around your house and grab things they're just not supposed to have. Things like this happen. Well, what do we do in this case? Well, there are several different things that can be offered here. Now, I want us to think about this for a moment. God is showing and extending grace in several different ways. Again, you can offer a goat. If you don't have that goat, you can offer two turtle doves or two young pigeons. If you don't have that, you can bring flour to God. God is saying in this instance, listen, you have mishandled things that are brought to me, things that are are sacred to me, but I want to make it easy for you to come back and make things right and be reconciled. I want you to think about if you lived in ancient times and you were under a king's rule, There are certain things that belong to the king and to the king alone. And there's things that are required of you. Sometimes it's the percentage of your land. It might be your child. It might be taxes that you owe. And if you mishandle what is owed to the king, there are serious punishments. There's some of you that have a learner's or a driver's license and some of you that have it long enough to know better but you still wrestle with that speed limit. You might know the speed, you might not know the speed limit. But if you're going 15 miles over the speed limit, this is Georgia, we don't say six or seven. If you're going 15 miles over the speed limit, there's going to be repercussions. Now, severe, harsh, ungodly kings, they like their taxes. They like their wine. They're gonna make sure they get every grape that's owed them. They like their bread and the raisin cakes, so they're going to make sure that all the flour is brought to them. And punishment can be severe. But what we find is that the Lord is gracious to his people. Whatever you have, please come and please bring it. God is most concerned that his people are clean and walk rightly. We might be focused on the ritual 
And it's really easy in the book of Leviticus to be obsessed about the ritual. What were the steps A, B, C, and D? And it's important to do so because if you step outside of these things, well, then you're unclean. Well, then you're not living rightly. But God makes things easy for them. And he allows several ways for Israel to offer sacrifice. Now, I want to ask you a question when you're seeking atonement. Bring what you have. God desired that they come to him in repentance and sincerity, not allowing hollow ceremony. We have constantly promoted before us a false gospel of where you will have a hero who's a brute and they're known for getting things wrong, usually very uh, wrong with relationships. They're harsh, they're strict, they have a mouth, they're oppressive. But they succumb to some social values, virtue of, of sacrifice. They're willing to give so much money. They're willing to maybe lay down their life. But they still don't conform to morality. They're still not submissive to one, but maybe the opinions of a culture. Beloved, when you do a little mishaps, do you call it a little mishaps? When you do something that God has instructed you not to do, you just chalk it up, well, I'll, I'll do better next time. And we have to be so delicate here because we're not saying be rule followers, be rule followers, be rule followers and live a perfect life and then your salvation is secure. That's not what we're trying to preach here. And Leviticus can really make it sound like that, okay? But what God is asking is that you recognize what's going on in your heart what you have done intentionally or unintentionally, and then come to him and bring restoration, bring reconciliation between you and God. So much of Christianity is lived out in our head. And and we will think about what God thinks without talking to him. We'll make a plan and a system of ways in which we can better ourselves without coming before him in humility and then we think that we've cleaned everything up we've had that guilt we've carried it long enough or we keep carrying it and we don't know what to do with it and now and we're not only silent to god we're silent to to one another seeking for help a really beautiful thing about the sacrificial system is you relied on a priest. Family knew if you needed a ram. Family knew if the flower was going to be a little bit short. The reason why they did this is because they sinned. They wanted to be right. And they didn't want to just say, oh, it was just a mishaps. No one will know. Uh, It's just a minor detail. They go to God in faith. These things are costly. If they didn't believe God would forgive them, do you think they would offer up a ram? If they didn't believe Yahweh loves them and desires to be present in their home and guide them, do you think they would give their flower or their pigeons? 
I don't think they would go through all that hassle. Sure, there's that desire to keep up with appearances. But what about genuine repentance? Confession? And in the church, there's this desire for us to keep appearances too. Um, Those of you that are not yet adults, you're getting there, you're close. You're watching us. Amen. And how scary that is. And you're learning how to conduct yourselves in church. How vocal should I be about my sin? Ask your parents that one. And be open with them, okay? They're going to guide you. They're going to love you. If you need a little more assistance, come to the elders, come to the deacons. More than happy to, to, to have you think through how to speak about things you wrestle with. But you're learning what's acceptable, what's common, and then you know what's not acceptable and what's not common. And if you don't know, you will learn soon. I want this to be a place where we know we mess up in the little things and that we still need forgiveness, even if we think that they're little. Now, none of us, I think, are touching carcasses unexpectedly. We don't have utensils in our homes that are used for the temple. But there are still things that we can do unintentionally. Now he goes a little bit further in verse 14. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, If a person acts unfaithfully and sins unintentionally against the Lord's holy things, then he shall bring his guilty offering to the Lord, Lord, a ram without defect from the flock, According to your valuation in silver by shekels in terms of the shekel of the sanctuary for a guilt offering, he shall make his restitution from that which he has sinned against the holy thing, and he shall add to it a fifth part of it and give it to the priest. The priest shall then make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering. Now it will be forgiven him. Now if a person sins... And does any of the things which the Lord has commanded him not to be done, though he was unaware, still in his guilt, he should bear his punishment. He is then to bring to the priest a ram without defect from the flock according to the valuation for the guilt offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his error which he, sorry, in which he sinned unintentionally and did not know it, and it will be forgiven him. It is a guilt offering. He, has certainly, uh, he was certainly guilty before the Lord. Now we come into reparations in verse 14 and following. And this is where my eyes and my structure can finally find some sanity as I'm leaving an older offering. So this is reparations here. These deal with guilt or trespasses. Reparation offerings focus on sin as that which portrays Covenant loyalty, and that comes from J. Sklar. We have in verse 14 and 16, unconditional sin that has come to light and can be located. So something happens unintentionally in this situation. 
He says in verse 15, if a person acts unfaithfully and sins unintentionally against the Lord's holy things. So he knows what he has done. He or she can put their finger on it and locate, this is what I have done. And so what God says, if you know of this sin, maybe you didn't mean to, you're to offer up a goat. A ram, sorry, a ram. This is a male lamb. That's an adult. What we also find in verse 15 is that there is a valuation in silver by shekels. And in 16, we also see that a fifth is to be added to this offering. So what happens most likely in this place, an offense has happened, and depending on the severity of this offense, you offer up this ram and then you bring with it a tithe 20 percent now the way in which this is worded between 14 and 16 i believe that moses is recording for us not everyone has a lamb not everyone has a ram they can offer so it's quite possible this could just be a financial contribution someone knows of their sin, they've been made aware of it, unintentional, and so they're going to act on their own initiative and bring this before God. What we find uh, later on in this, in verse 17 through 19, there are some unintentional sins that come to light, but it's difficult to weigh out its severity. You don't know quite how to make things right before God. This made me think of a funny illustration when I was probably about nine or ten years old. My parents were going on a family vacation. We went somewhere to fast food. I went into the restroom, did what I needed to do, came back out, and there was a dollar bill on the floor. At that age, that means I'm filthy rich. <laughs> so I come out, and I'm like, wow, a Dollar. I mean, I scream it out to the heavens. And I go and I grab it and I pick it up. Both of my sisters squabble. No, that's not yours. Hannah saw it first. Nine years old. I still remember which sibling saw it first. I can tell you it was out of Wendy's too. I mean, this is a dollar, people. <laughs> so then I'm, I'm confused and I'm like... <laughs> It's in my hand. It's mine. Then my mom comes like a hawk out of nowhere. Where did this dollar come from? Why are you fighting over this? For her, this is just 100 pennies. For me, this is 100 pennies. My older sister, who who's, has a stronger conscience than me, okay? She, who's, who's, who's someone who's just so well spiritually disciplined, I was surprised to hear this when I was nine. A lady dropped it from her purse and it fell on the ground. And we were waiting until she would leave so we could have it. (laughs) So my mom hears we're stealing a dollar from someone and Daniel has this U.S. currency in his hand. I didn't know about the purse. I didn't know the woman. My mom didn't know that by the collar. She drags me outside to identify the person and I had no clue and my mom I think feeling a little bit of some embarrassment and knowing she can't kill me in public 
brought me back inside and questioned the other siblings. And she instructed us rightly, kids, if someone drops money, give that money back to that person, okay? Don't be quiet about it. So my mom teaches us that lesson. So here's the complicated thing. What do we do with a dollar? What do we do with a dollar? As a parent, you know that just parent gets it. It's that, it's that simple. If you're a parent, you just got the dollar because you're going to spend thousands more on the kids later on. But, but in that moment, should I get that dollar? I didn't know who it belonged to, but is it really mine? And to those scoundrel siblings of mine, definitely not theirs. Definitely not theirs, right? Hannah at that time was less than five. So some innocence there. My older sister, let's throw her under the bus. Pure guilty, pure guilty. That's an illustration with three kiddos at a Wendy's and a dollar bill. Your life gets a little bit more complicated with that. How do you make these things right with God? How do you make sure that everything is exact, that every T is crossed, every I is dotted? Here's the beautiful thing. You can't. You can't. There are sins the Holy Spirit will show you later on so you don't pass out. And there are sins you have committed that if you were to revisit them right now, please try to stay focused, it would just bring you down the rest of the day. It's not in and of you to make things all right. What God asks of you is that you go before him in faith, offering what he has given you back unto him and trusting the God, not the process, to save you. Remember Jesus in his earthly ministry? He had all those people who knew the process very well. And Jesus just kept showing them how the law was being wrongly applied and how God created things to bless Man, showing them the importance of forgiveness, mercy, love. Showing them you're using this as a burden to break people's backs. You cannot find every T and cross it. You can't find every I and dot it. What's beautiful about this second section in the reparations offering is the first one, when you, have, when you can really put your finger on what you did, well then 20% more. Okay? Because you have, you have defiled what's the Lord's. His glory has been robbed from it. There's a debt that needs to be paid. But in the latter when it can't fully be identified how it was broken, how you trespassed, you don't know quite the debt. You just offer the sacrifice. And you don't offer the 20%. That's grace. That is a king being very gracious to his people, loving and approachable to them. We hear in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 through 17. Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the, the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy, and that is what you are. Paul teaches us we might not have holy utensils, but our own bodies 
are holy. And what you do with that needs to be done so in a holy way. Jesus teaches in Luke 12, 48, from everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. So in Christ, beloved, you have been given abundantly. The grace you have received, the forgiveness that has been extended to you, the fellowship you, in, you have enjoyed is great. So give of yourself to God. Give to one another for the sake of God. Now we have in chapter 6, 1 through 7, we're moving along pretty good, aren't we? We have reparations for misuse of Yahweh's name and false oaths. So I'm going to read 1 through 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, When a person sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord and deceives his companion in regard to a deposit or a security entrusted to him or through robbery or if he is extorted from his companion or has found what was lost and lied about it and sworn falsely so that his sin in reg- sins in regard to any one of any one of the things of man may do, then it shall be when he sins and becomes guilty that he shall restore what he took by robbery or what he got by extortion or the deposit which was entrusted to him or the lost thing which he found or anything about which he swore falsely. He shall make restitutions for it in full and add to it one-fifth more. He shall give it to the one to whom it belongs on the day of presence uh, as he presents his guilt offering. Then he shall bring to the priest his guilt offering to the Lord, a ram without defect from the flock according to your evaluation for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he will be forgiven for any one of the things which he may have done to incur guilt." What happens in verse 6 is possibly the, not possibly, what happens to verse 6 is the element of the Lord's name being used, the Lord's name be used to cover up sin. So we have several offenses. If a person sins and acts unfaithfully against the Lord and deceives his companion. So if there's deception among the people. If there is something that's been entrusted to him, look over this land, look over these animals, let me give this precious item to you. And then their neighbor tramples on that trust. They're guilty before God. If they flat out rob from one another, they're guilty before God. If they lie and swear falsely, they're guilty. We, we stand back and realize this is who Moses is speaking to. The covenant people of God, they should not act this way. They were a slave people that had been brought into promise. Now, right now they're wandering in the wilderness, but they're waiting for that promised land. And yet God's people are still able to commit these acts 
and even swear upon his name. We're still guilty of these things and capable of them. And beloved, you might be in that at the moment. Don't think you can be right with God, but abuse your neighbor. And the way in which you treat your neighbor affects the way in which you interact with God. So that can be applied to siblings, co-workers, your actual neighbor, just the general way in which you treat humanity. They can fend for themselves. I can skip this past them. They won't notice. I'm of the greatest priority. They're not worth defending. The relationships on earth mean something to God. And God desires to be in close relationship with you and for his children to be in close relationship with one another. So we are to walk with love and not seek to abuse one another. So in this we find that there is that ram that is needed as well as financial means. Jesus teaches on this a little bit in the Gospels about this restitution. We find in chapter 5 of Matthew, verse 23 through 24, Therefore, if you are presenting your offering at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. So Jesus is teaching, before you go to God, make things right as best as you can. Reconcile. Repent. Show humility. New Testament saints, we're about to take of the Lord's Supper. And a beautiful thing we do every week is we evaluate our own hearts. Think about those you need to be made right with. Think about those secrets you're holding on to or their shady side deals. You're about to partake. This meal points to us that Jesus died for our sins. This meal points that Jesus has fellowship with those that are in covenant with him. And this meal reminds us the importance of reconciliation. Don't simply partake holding on to sin and offenses against others. So practically, make it a priority. Make it a priority to go to your brother. I was thinking, what are some practical things that Leviticus 5 and show me? Because this is very legal. Today it's very quiet today. That's okay. This reminded me, and I'm saying this, this carefully, Sorry sometimes is not enough. I say that a lot at my house. I wish I didn't. Things break quite often. Things get stained. We just found a really cool new hole in our couch um, yesterday or the day before. The word sorry did not stitch that up. 
when you offend someone, don't just throw sorry. That's fake. That's phony. That's saying, listen, I know I'm wrong. I'm embarrassed. I'm angry. But leave me alone. I said that word. Sorry. You can't hold that guilt above my head anymore. Yahweh wants people to see when you're repentant, you are intentional. You act out these practices, these instructions. It even costs them financially. And they go and they make things right. So I'm not saying give a $20 bill to someone and say, I'm sorry. But what I am saying is truly invest in them. Where the offense has been made, where something has been taken, where a truth has been withheld. Help make it right. Love them. Humble yourselves. And then reflect, you know, Jesus loves me. And Jesus forgives all of my sins. And Jesus has made me right with God the Father when I have done far worse than the offense that I did to my brother and my sister. I am left in such a debt without Christ, but with him, I am free. Let's bow. True and living God, I thank you so much for the grace that we find at the cross. I thank you that, Father, though we are a people in need, that we have great debts, that all those have been answered for, that we have been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. We pray, Father God, that we would walk in that confidence and that, Lord, we would be a humble people that seeks reconciliation with you and with neighbor and that we would honor your name. We ask this in your name. Amen.